0: Get ready for a no-BS approach to health and fitness. This is MBS Fitness Radio. All right, welcome back to MBS Fitness. I am here with Natalie Nero. Natalie is a nurse practitioner whose, um, kind of focus point is hormones. And is that hormone specifically for women?
1: Actually, I do both. I've actually started in men's hormones and I saw how amazing it was for them. It really changed their life and there wasn't a whole lot of options out there for women. So that's whenever I really got focused on women's health.
0: Awesome. Okay. What kind of sent you down that path? What, um, attracted you to the, um, endocrine side of the medical space?
1: I just saw so many people suffering. Again, men and women. Um, Men are pretty easy to change. You just sprinkle a little testosterone on them and they come alive. Um, As a woman myself, I was experiencing a lot. I was experiencing myself a lot of issues hormonally and I felt like it was hormones and I kept going down the path of seeing an endocrinologist, seeing my OBGYN, and they kept telling me nothing was wrong. But innately, I knew that there was something going on. And I was working in the men's hormone industry. And I thought, well, if this can change a man's life, why would hormones not change a woman's life as well? And I was tired of hearing women tell me, that they've gone to other providers, they've seen other physicians, and they keep getting told it's just part of aging, it's just part of life, and they're just struggle through it. I just don't believe that that's a good answer.
0: What, I mean, what were the issues that you that you saw yourself that you've seen in other women? Like, were the indicators that something might be off?
1: Um, it's a vast variety of things. Typically, anything a woman can complain about is, can come back to hormones. Um, yeah. So, It it can start with weight gain, hair loss, um, excess hair growth in places we don't want it, um, headaches, migraines, irregular cycles or no cycles, hot flashes, night sweats, poor sleep, bone loss, muscle loss. It is fatigue, brain fog, joint pain. I mean, everything that I have found will uh, most major issues for most patients, autoimmune issues, it all comes back to hormones. Hormones are the central um, system of our body that really control everything.
0: Yeah. Is there an age at which this seems to hit the majority of females because- Assuming to feel off, you had to have felt on at some point, right? At some point your hormones were regu- regulating correctly. You weren't experiencing these things. And now I am and I'm I'm aware of this of this difference. Is there an age or which that tends to or I can't comment, common age you see that?
1: So a lot of times women are told perimenopause starts in your forties. However, I'm seeing it start sooner and sooner in younger women. It started for me in my mid-30s. Um, but I am seeing really bad hormonal imbalances in women as young as 17 years old today. The majority, though, to answer your question, I would say would be between 40 and 55.
0: Gotcha. So, so essentially, you may have like kind of two categories. You have like perimenopausal. Like mm-hmm. this is a this is a function of of your body changing as you age, yes. but then you might have 17-year-old hormone issues, which may not be related to to just that. Um,
1: And honestly, that comes from a lot of endocrine disruptors that we come into contact with every day, especially women, health and beauty products, uh, you know, things like deodorant or even the strip on our razor can have PFAs in it. Um, The fluoride in toothpaste, the fluoride in our water system. Um, our food is absolute garbage today and so i'm seeing a lot of this in young women
0: yeah i was gonna ask like what's the trigger what's causing these issues to what's causing these issues to happen early and also to happen to the magnitude that they're they're happening because i mean women have been going through hormones since the beginning of of time (laughs) it does appear as as Men have been aging since the beginning of time, but it does appear that the, the impact of modern day life is having a negative impact on our hormones to a great degree in an earlier age.
1: And as a man, I'm sure you would agree that, or if you've ever, if, if you have any experience with testosterone, you know that men's testosterone, the normal values have consistently gone down in the last 20 years drastically. Yeah. Um, Whenever I first started in men's hormones, the range at the time was somewhere between 800 and 1500. Now it's 200 to 1000. That doesn't make sense to me. So again, I try to, in my practice, make things make sense. Um, But yes, to answer your question, it is a lot of crap food. It is a toxic environment. It is the stress load we put on ourselves that really cause the majority of health issues, but the impact typically starts with our hormones. Um, So, and it's hard to clean up your life. It's hard to go out and eat fully organic. It's hard to go out and make sure everything is free and clear and free of chemicals. Um, And so, you know, I try to guide my patients in not only just balancing their hormones but giving them the correct information as to how to navigate the world today because the rules don't are not the same as they were 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um yeah, and you know, you go like okay, what's the chicken or the egg? Because <laughs> there's there's a level of this yes, lifestyle change would mm-hmm. help impact your hormones but let like, let your hormone status makes that lifestyle change very difficult (laughs) um if you're going to give like top five hey here's five biggest changes you can make let's go we'll we'll we'll, uh we'll leave pharmaceutical change out of it for just a second but the top five lifestyle changes these are things to do to lessen the impact of the environment on your hormones
1: Um, First of all, just having a good spiritual background, um, having a foundation uh, of really getting to, you know, whether that's meditation, whether that's having a church relationship, whether that's um, yoga or whatever, whatever you can do to soften the blow in your brain of everything you take in daily that's number one number two getting good sleep sleep is so underrated and so undervalued in our society today Um, most women that come to me they say I sleep pretty well but whenever I dig into it a little bit more they might sleep two hours for the first two hours that they are asleep and then they wake up and then they sleep for another three hours it's very interrupted it's not consistent i don't know that they actually enter into any REM sleep so sleep is number two three definitely food you know i kind of toggle between would it be food or exercise but even with exercise if you eat like crap you're not going to get the results. So, yeah. three, eating more organic, really paying attention to what you put in your body. And that actually starts with mastication or how you chew your food. Quit you can eat the best diet in the world, but if you're eating it in 5 minutes flat, you're not giving your body time to produce the enzymes that you need to to digest and and absorb and get the nutrients you need from that food. So that And I would so-
0: actually yeah, I would say if you're eating the right types of food, you're going to have to chew it. You know, yeah, exactly. Like- <laughs>
1: exactly. You can't just swallow. Um, and that's going to help with how much you eat too. So that would be number three. Number four, I would say exercise, of course. Um, and it depends on the type of exercise um making sure that you do I mean women are always I can't name the times women go well I don't like to lift heavy weights because I don't want to look all muscly okay but you need weight bearing exercises to maintain good bone health and um you know it's gonna look better on you too I feel like uh so my, my,
0: my statement to all to that is always like fair enough I don't want that for you either why don't we do this let's train for three months and if at any point you're like, okay, I'm looking too muscularly, we'll adjust. Absolutely. <laughs> let's, let's, let's see it. if we even get close to that first. And <laughs> exactly.
1: Because I'd rather have more fat, more muscle than fat. And then number five um, is joy. You know, that you can't replace vitamin J. Um, and that's whatever that is for you. Getting out, uh, spending time with your family, finding balance in life um, is, is truly important.
0: Love it. So, Uh, like we use a framework we call sleep eat move manage and so Mm -hmm. it's it's sleep how you sleep how's your nutrition eat how's your movement how's your training and manage how's your mental health and if you know when you went through that it kind of hits all all four of those Mm -hmm. and i think what's important about like it, it what sticks out to me when i hear that is and the same things the things that build your health in one area build your health in all areas and a lot of times people will want to pull a step over a hundred dollar bills to pick up pennies and you know they'll be like they're looking for what's kind of like the, the quick easy thing and they're like I'm gonna start taking vitamin D like like vitamin D is good I'm not like that's a good thing to yeah. take or um I'm gonna totally revamp my diet and, and you're like that's a good thing but if our ping pong back and forth is like well i'm gonna eat only organic meat but then i'm gonna have ice cream every night yeah you know like there's um, no balance there (laughs) yeah like the foundational thing is like man the biggest roi you could probably get is sleeping better and and man and getting your your life in a way that helps you sleep better, which is going to help you have more energy. You're going to be less drained. You're going to have less stress stress. That'll help you have more energy to engage with other people and you will experience more joy and you'll have time to, um, you know, you'll, 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 feel refreshed and have time to then do things that, that, that bring you joy and feel more refreshed and want to eat better food and not, not trying to hit your dopamine, uh, button with bad food and you'll, Feel like you can go exercise, you know. It's like these all; these are all the kind of foundational. you Have components. to do a little
1: bit of everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it's just like um the way you kind of went through it. I liked because I, uh, I do think having, you now I tell people is having a strong foundation for why, which I say is like stewardship of your body. So if I have a strong foundation, why stewardship of my body? Which makes me say, you know what, I'm going to make sure I sleep good tonight. I'm going kind to of do the things I'm gonna do things necessary to get a good night's sleep so that tomorrow I can go exercise mm-hmm. I, and I'm going to eat so that I, uh, or tomorrow I'll go eat good. So that'll fuel my body and I can exercise well and I can engage and do the things that I like to do with the people I like to do it with. And I got to go and do that like foundational piece. So I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that stuff, and 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 that, that people can kind of take away like, hey, like, these are the things we know work.
1: Absolutely, and the other thing is, and you're and you actually hit on something about you know uh, stepping over hundred dollar bills to pick up pennies. I another very important thing that I do in my consults is to really set expectations for patients and say, look. I can make you feel better, but it's not going to be tomorrow. It may not be in two weeks. I might have, you know, I I use baseball as an analogy. Sometimes you step up to the plate or I step up to the plate and I knock a home run straight out of the gate and I can figure it out quick. And I just add a little sprinkle of this and a dash of that. And you feel amazing. And then sometimes I just get you out of the dugout. Maybe i only get you to first (laughs) week. And so it, 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 but it's all about what they do too. And I really try to educate patients on: I'm going to give you all the information, inspiration, and education. It's what you do with it from there. I can balance your hormones, but there's still 180 other steps that you have to take to truly feel good. Um, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it, yes, hormones are very essential and very impactful. um, but it still takes the work on the patient's part as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I can, I can fix it. You have, I say so you got kind of five broken pillars or whatever it is. I can fix the hormone pillar, but if you don't fix the other sleep, nutrition, exercise mindset, then like you're still going to have a, a rocky foundation.
1: Absolutely. I,
0: uh, I'll kind of give you like a, a quick background on myself, but um, in my in my early twenties, I get into like powerlifting and bodybuilding. And uh, you know, with that came like ex- excessive hormone usage. Mm-hmm. And um essentially like my wife and I decided to have kids and I pro- produced no viable sperm. Uh so I got off everything completely and I was on a lot. Mm-hmm. So I went from a lot to zero. I think my my level at the at the bottom it was like 112 or something yeah and um yeah you know, i went on a clomid regimen and that that got me fertile mm-hmm. but, but it didn't it make you feel good, good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, my testosterone never came back up and i mean I, I did I, I did all the stuff and the guy was like look dude, you kind of you did steroids for 10 plus years like <laughs> that's kind of what happens right yeah. so um so I had all my kids, and now as I'm not having kids. I was like, okay, like I'm, now I'm ready to, to go back and get my my hormone levels kind of rebalanced. Now the thing was like I exercise, train, and stuff. I did all this stuff the whole time, mm-hmm. and I felt okay. Mm-hmm. Like I felt okay. I didn't feel great. I knew what I knew what feeling great felt like. I didn't feel great, but I felt okay. Uh, when I got my hormone levels back, I was like, I feel great again. Yeah. But what I've realized is like. If you're doing all the stuff, you're doing all the the right things from a habit, lifestyle standpoint, and you have hormones are off, you'll feel okay, but you won't feel great. Yeah. If you get your hormones balanced and you don't do any of the lifestyle stuff, you'll feel okay, but you won't feel great.
1: Absolutely. It goes both ways. You got to do both. Um, So yeah, that's, that's definitely a important, like you said, a pillar uh, with my patients is I definitely tell them, look, I can, they'll come back. I'm looking at their labs. They look perfect now and they go, I still don't feel good. Well, then what are we doing? What, you know, what haven't we hit? And I'll do look at everything. It's not just sex hormones. I look at thyroid hormones. I look at adrenal hormones i look at pancreatic hormones because all of all the hormones are do a dance you know they're all and you want them to do the same dance you know they're all in orchestra with one another and it's i kind of associate it to a, a pinball machine you know that little ball you set it off and it just ping ping pings off everything and that's how hormones react So, you know, your hormones control your gut health, your hormones control your metabolic rate, your hormones control your sleep. So um, we got to get it all balanced.
0: Love it. So let's let's kind of focus in on perimenopause and menopause. What is perimenopause?
1: And I I tell patients, I hate these words and terms, you know, I think doctors throw out what we can, insurance companies made diagnoses codes for insurance coverage. And so perimenopause, yes, we have to use these words. Perimenopause literally means around menopause. And so women get, come to me and they go, my doctor told me I'm in perimenopause. And they really don't know what that means. And it actually just means, well, you're around menopause. So that can start happening at 35, that can start happening at 45. But it's a very, I just think of it as a very slow decline in how you feel. A lot of women will come to me and go, you know, I've, I I just thought, thought it was part of life. Like, yeah, I can't sleep very good. But I know I'm stressed. And I got a lot of workload on me and my family life is disrupted. And, you know, I have sick parents that I'm taking care of, and I don't exercise as much as I used to, and I don't eat as well as I used to. And they start feeling that slow, slow, slow decline. And then they come to me and they go, I literally woke up, woke up this morning, looked in the mirror, and I didn't recognize the person in front of me. And so that's kind of what I consider perimenopause. Um, but, can, I, can
0: I ask you this? W- yes. What is the clinical definition of menopause? I mean, is it a... Is it a hormonal level like a like a estrogen? Menopause. Level? If
1: you if you Google menopause, it literally the definition comes up as a, a female who has not had a cycle in 12 months. And that's it. it that's it. Okay. I mean, that okay. is the clinical <laughs> definition. So but right. you know, I've, I've met 35 year olds that haven't had a cycle in 12 months because of hormonal imbalances, not because they right. have menopause Or, and it could mean that they had a surgical menopause. They've had a hysterectomy and, you know, even at at a young age, and now they're clinically in menopause. So they just don't make hormones anymore. They don't make enough hormones, they can't make enough hormones to produce um, a cycle.
0: Okay. So let's, that's kind of, uh, let's clarify that. The the female menstrual cycle, what are the hormones that are triggering that? What's kind of that uh, dance? And then maybe that gives us a clear indication of like what menopause is and mm-hmm. then what perimenopause is from a true hormonal standpoint.
1: So that is a quite loaded question, but I'll try to simplify
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: women have like, you know, w- w- men and women, we have the same hormones. Um, we just have them in different amounts. So for women, we have, gosh, uh, probably six, eight, 10 major sex hormones. Um, But the three that I focus on the most are progesterone, estradiol, and testosterone. Um, So our ovaries produce these hormones and progesterone just helps a a, a woman's cycle for the most. I mean, it also, it means literally pro-pregnancy. Um, yeah. pro-pregnancy. So it is the hormone that we need as women to keep a pregnancy. And so it gets really high during pregnancy. And if you've ever talked to a pregnant woman that loves being pregnant, it's because they feel fabulous during pregnancy yeah. for the most part. And it's because their progesterone is perfect. And then they have the baby and their progesterone is completely deplete and they go through postpartum. And I've always been <laughs> kind of shocked at why, most OBGYNs don't go, Hey, let's put you on some progesterone um, because they're going to feel better. They're going to sleep better even with a baby. And so progesterone helps sleep cycles. It helps your menstrual cycles. It helps the thickening of the uterine lining. So it doesn't get so, so a lot of women who go through endometriosis and hysterectomies, they're progesterone deficient. And again, if we go back to talking about endocrine disruptors, uh, when we started, the the endocrine disruptors what they're doing is making our estrogen climb 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 and it's getting so high and our progesterone cannot compensate for it so women do end up with heavier cycles and fibroids and you know um endometriosis and difficulty getting pregnant um and it called you know excess estrogen causes bloating and 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 um headaches and migraines and just feeling of feelings of dread so um you know it, so, it is about balance go
0: ahead, right so if you could if you could draw like a, a line so in a, in a woman's cycle, you' see kind of progesterone here and then it starts to climb as they ovulate. is that correct? yes and then and then they'd have their their period and then it would bring come back down mm-hmm.
1: and then estrogen tends to climb they kind of go together, but in climb, very, together. various amounts,
0: you know. Yeah. And it's that balance between progesterone and estrogen that makes for a, a natural cycle. Yes, where a woman feels um, the way that they should. And you're saying when because of these hormone disruptors, there's these chemicals within our food and in, within our environment that act like or stimulate estrogen so that they that mm-hmm. imbat- so they're supposed- these things are supposed to be in tandem and kind of working together and they get out of whack estrogen is too high progesterone is where it needs to be but because estrogen is too high we have Mm -hmm. we have these negative effects absolutely
1: um and again i'm seeing that more and more in younger women
0: and so now so we see like that kind of that kind of climb and decline of of progesterone and estrogen throughout a woman's um uh 20-day cycle and then what does testosterone do? Is it, is it steady? Is it supposed to be steady it's the a, whole time or does it you know,
1: I tell women all the time. So this is funny. Uh, we have a, re- a normal reference range, just like you do for men, for women, for testosterone uh, for, through the lab company. We draw it at six to 82. Now the average number, and I've drawn labs on as women or young girls as uh, young as like Thirteen years old, all the way up. I think the oldest patient I've ever drawn a lab on for hormones is 87, and the average number across the board is 24. I've only seen a few occurrences where it might have been greater than 31 naturally. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So testosterone stays very flatline baseline. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of movement there. Um, and I've had women who've been, you know, physique models and and you know, just super. Um, yeah you know, they, they're they in the gym all the time and they're trying to get their testosterone up naturally. And I might see it go to 32 and it, it started yeah. at 20, you know, yeah. so it's not moving a whole lot. And you're not, you're this just is, not going to see that.
0: Do they, I was like, do they feel any, I mean, cause that's, that's a 30% increase, but do they, can they tell that? Mm-mm.
1: Because Let's most women, that. so I will tell you, most women feel good. And this is of course, just out of experience. There's, you're not going to find any, research on this. Um but just based on experience, most women feel better between 80 to 250. I like to keep mine around 250.
0: Your your testosterone levels.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I think is interesting um that that people are not quite, quite aware of is that women actually produce more testosterone than they do estrogen. Mhm. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean ideally, uh, yeah. 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 Um yeah. Okay, so so this we see that kind of what what like it's ideal is supposed to look like, and when wh- someone's going through perimenopause, well, now what are you seeing in their hormones that indicates to you like oh something's coming going uh, different here?
1: So in perimenopause, I see their progesterone being almost zero. It's usually like zero okay. point two. Optimal being greater than ten. So 0.2 is the lowest they'll even look at uh, at the lab. And then now, especially with perimenopause, I'm seeing estrogen numbers in the 500s. Now, even if you're not a math genius, (laughs) you can take 0.2 and 500 and go, that does not sound balanced. Um, And then, of course, their testosterone is in the 20s. So what I try to do is get their progesterone around 10, 10 to even 30, um, and then get their estrogen to be around 80 to 100, maybe 150, and their testosterone at least 150, because that's balance. If you're right. the the, the, mo- the happiest patients I've found is their estrogen and testosterone are almost the same
0: number. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, what, I, what I'm hearing is like a lot of these issues become... A lot of these issues are from a sky-high estrogen, mm-hmm. a completely depleted, very low progesterone, and testosterone that's not non-existent. It's low. It's just low.
1: It's be- and-, and it's also being muted by the estrogen. As you know, yeah. in it- men, if your estrogen gets too high while you're on testosterone, you're not going to feel good on your testosterone. You can't out-compensate the estrogen.
0: Right. So then, you know, the balance, so the balance, like, let's get your progesterone up. Mm -hmm. Let's get your testosterone up so it's balanced with the estrogen. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there ever what are you doing to bring down it? Are you trying to bring down estrogen?
1: Yes. So what I do to bring down estrogen is first of all, progesterone ices the estrogen drive. So that is one way to do it. The other way is getting, um, is getting rid of bad estrogen. We need to metabolize that. So again, I'm looking at liver function. I'm looking at insulin resistance because insulin resistance and estrogen have a very direct um, correlation. So, If they're heavier and they have more fat cells, then obviously they're gonna also produce more estrogen. So one thing I do is add a supplement called DIM, D-I-M. It's derived from broccoli. Um, broccoli has some great estrogenic metabolizing properties and it just helps you metabolize bad estrogen. Another great source is ground flaxseed. I actually have patients add ground flaxseed to like a smoothie in the morning if they are fairly estrogen dominant. Um because whenever you are naturally estrogen dominant, you're also setting yourself up for a lot of cancers. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of women get told, I can't take hormones because, you know, there's a history, family history of breast cancer, or I had a, you know, a nodule or something that got removed and they said it might've been estrogen positive. Well, it, it probably wasn't from any natural estrogen. It was probably from the birth control pills they were on for 20 years. It was probably yeah. from you know, uh, the fast food they ate for 25 years is yeah. probably from not working out. It's probably from not eating anything organic and being exposed to too many pesticides. So I try to yeah. educate patients on that as well that the hormones that we deliver, first of all, we're trying to get your estrogen
0: balanced,
1: and balanced hormones should not produce any cancers.
0: Right. So, is there, have you seen it? Where someone who had a sky high estrogen, you bring their testosterone up. Mm-hmm. You're doing these things to bring their 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 estrogen down. Th- then they start exercising, they're eating right, they're doing all the stuff, and you see the estrogen like dr- drop to a dramatic degree. And like, do you then have to bring the testosterone back down to kind of like balance with it? The testosterone's okay at that level.
1: I, that is very patient specific so okay. and it has a lot to do with the side effects that testosterone can cause too like yeah. i you know i love my testosterone being 250 300 but if i go too far i mean again you're gonna get very male properties you're gonna grow a beard and yeah. possibly yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and more and you start losing hair and that's that's where yeah. women kind of get nervous you know whenever they start seeing yeah. hair loss on the head you get the male pattern involved and that's it so yeah i do try it's more about educating the patient and letting them tell me when they are yeah. at the
0: right yeah dose. so you're like hey let's kind of see what the right dose is for you where the positive effects are in this, sweet way spot. this side the yeah yeah but the negative effects are not showing up yeah okay that makes sense mm-hmm. so um so you, you At what point do you start administering this? So someone comes in, say like just typical average female, she's maybe forty five, she's starting to kind of experience some of this stuff, and you're saying she's not, she's not, she's not menopausal, she's still having Mm -hmm. cycles, Mm -hmm. but I'm feeling these things, and at that point, do you say, hey, like let's let's start getting you on some hormone treatment now to address this stuff?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So women come in and, you know, I do the full consult on them, but I, I really look at, I get a full list of their symptoms. I have them fill out a symptom questionnaire. Are they having night sweats? Are they sleeping? You know, are they constipated, which is a common issue for us. Um, I look at all, you know, are they irritable, bloated? I look at all, all the symptoms and then testosterone is a really great starter <laughs> because okay. you pick a woman up pretty quick. Um, yeah. You know, especially whenever we hit our mid 40s we're definitely not feeling ourselves we're kind we're very insecure um sometimes and then you know we might even be having marital issues because we're not as vibrant and vivacious feeling as we used to be and that plays a big role in our relationships and so women come in and I can start them on, I start them on a very low dose of testosterone to start with, because I have no idea how they're going to metabolize it. Um, yeah. I take into account what their estrogen is. And because I know testosterone can convert into estrogen. Again, it's always safe to start small. And I tell a patient, the worst thing I'm going to do to you is nothing. If nothing yeah. happens, it's okay. We can add more. So I typically yes. do pellets. Um and a lot of women are very nervous about pellets but it's a very quick easy procedure they dissolve they're natural and it gives us a very steady state as well but i also okay, I, st- go ahead you know, why,
0: why do you do, why do you do the pellets over a shot or a cream or foam or like why pellets
1: i mean i do again it's more patient specific so some if i i mean i'm pretty good at reading a room so if i feel the patient is very nervous about anything hormonal i'm going to start them off with a cream because and i tell them look you have complete control with this cream if you don't like something about it you stop it it goes out of your system in 24 hours it's really quick and easy to metabolize um so it's all about if they want more control of that then a cream would be better for them if they um You know, some women who are more in the gym and really want to see results, they really like the injectables, and I'm fine with that too. We can do injectables with them. um And then, of course, some women just want convenience and ease, and they heard their friend got a pellet, and that's really all they needed. So it's what? it's patient specific.
0: Yeah. What? So, what's you, what do you prefer?
1: Well, that's a loaded question too. I've done all of them. Um, and, and I felt like injections worked the best for me as far as energy and uh, muscle mass. However, I, I do a pellet because um, it's better as far as side effects. With injectables, and you, it's, it's the same for men as it is for women, we get yeah. more acne, we get more facial hair as women with that. Yeah. We do lose more hair on our head with injectables. So yeah. for pellets, and- women don't see the side effects as much.
0: And maybe let's explain, like, why that is. When you say cream, like, explain to, to, to people, like, when you're getting that cream, it's it's a very short ester that's going to cause a rise and fall. Like, explain to them how, with the difference in testosterone. Like, how
1: it's uh, metabolized in the body.
0: Yeah, metabolization and then, like, like delivery. Like, what's the difference between pellet shots mm-hmm. and, and cream?
1: So anything that I do is going to always be compounded and bioidentical. I don't typically like um, anything synthetic uh, just because our body knows the difference. You can't, you know, our bodies are actually pretty smart. I have patients tell me all the time, Oh, well, my body just rejects this. It's working against me. No, it's not. It's giving me warning signs um, yeah. and we just have to listen to our bodies. So, uh, but I do like bioidenticals more um, with, creams you know it is about how the delivery system can be it's not as great because you have to put the cream on you have to let it dry it has to be fully absorbed and that can be if if you have darker skin or thicker skin it's not going to be absorbed as well. And then you have to move that cream around for it to be absorbed appropriately every single time you get it or give it to yourself. And so whenever that, whenever we're going through this process, I see very inconsistent numbers and they don't typically go up that much. It takes a lot of a higher dosage and a cream for it to, to really move your numbers. Again, yeah. I say that in general, that is not across yeah. the board. Um, Because I have some patients that do really well on cream and more power to them if that's what they want Um, and they like it. And then with injectables, uh, typically it's made in a cottonseed oil. Many compounded versions use a grapeseed oil, which is a little cleaner. Um, The cottonseed oil can make the blood counts thicker. And so when men uh, definitely deal with this more than women. But um, we still deal with it, too, where it causes a secondary thrombocypenia, which just means your blood is thick. And those women I have to tell, look, you want to go give blood every three months and, um, you know, or we need to lower your dose or maybe start you on an aspirin or something like that, because I don't want people walking around with thick blood either, that can increase yeah. your risk of stroke and heart attack. Um, and then with the pellets, they're very clean. They're made in a cholesterol. It dissolves over the course of three months. Um, the cholesterol does not raise your actual cholesterol levels. It's just how your body knows how to break down the pellet. Um but it's um they're all derived. The uh, pellets are derived from yams and the creams are as well.
0: Okay, very cool. So to kind of summarize, creams, um, I would say maybe less invasive um way less of, of giving it.
1: Less invasive, yes.
0: But it's uh a little less consistent mm-hmm. um as far as like a delivery. Um pellets a little less um schedule invasive because it's just like <laughs> one and get one to put in every three months um and it's gonna kind of be a, a smoother kind of uh, a dose there and then um and then the injectables uh potentially have a little more um ump in them because you're getting kind of those those bigger kind of peaks and once you kind of get those peaks built out but with those peaks, and I also actually,
1: have... yeah, I actually dose those once weekly for women subcutaneously. So that gotcha. way they and they actually stay; they can stay at higher levels and and keep a very consistent ride. Because um, and what I did not say is uh, the injectables typically the half life is five to seven days. So yeah. you have to you know make sure you're staying on it.
0: Why do you do the sub Q over the intramuscular?
1: um for women it's just a little less invasive uh
0: okay.
1: i mean and this,
0: it, easier shot to give
1: it is an easier shot okay. to give yeah, yeah. And, well okay. and also you can make much it's it's easier to get that tiny of a dose because women are using such micro doses for guys y'all can use a 3ml syringe and fill that thing up and give it to yourself for women we're using like an eight a tenth of that
0: yeah yeah that makes, that, that makes sense okay yeah you can use a totally different syringe okay um. So yeah. So like, your kind of process is get them on testosterone first, and I kind of get them that that boost, begin feeling good, and then also I imagine there's a little bit of um. Oh yeah. Okay. Now I can see what hormone therapy can do for me what's next
1: and, <laughs> you know, like and i almost always add progesterone at bedtime progesterone okay. is yeah. natural ambient so again yeah. if i'm getting them to sleep if it, i mean i'm telling you i would say at eight probably nine out of ten women uh do not sleep well so oh, yeah, i start yeah. them on progesterone straight out of the gate at bedtime and it, it's a very quick it's called rapid relief. You know, they get that rapid relief and they come back to me six weeks later and they're like, oh my gosh, where has this been my whole life? So that's what I want to hear. You know, and if they go, yeah. you know what, I feel better, I'm sleeping better, but uh, I'm still not, I feel like there's more that we can do. Well, then we give you give them a little bit more testosterone, adjust that dose. Um, sometimes they need more progesterone. You know, we get boxed in as medical providers with we're given you know a medication and they tell us this is how you're supposed to give it but people are all innately different and their metabolisms yeah. are all very different so i've given us little doses of progesterone as 25 milligrams all the way to 800 so the same with testosterone the same with estrogen you know i i let the patient drive that conversation and match it with the numbers so the numbers don't the numbers are a good guideline but the patient symptoms and and what they tell me is way more uh, beneficial to how I dose them.
0: And what it's, I like that you're saying like I treat my patients as individuals mm-hmm. because if you think like how how typical pharmaceuticals guidance is provided, they said we did this study with this many people and this was like the mean experience and so we're going to tell you to give things like that like well what about the people who were on the upper or lower end it doesn't give you any guidance in there so you're saying like i treat my patients like a patient and go i'm going to treat you based off what you're telling me what you're experiencing what i'm also seeing in the numbers and what i feel like the best way to kind of navigate this versus boxing myself into a protocol a medical tr- pr- protocol that was based off of like a single study that
1: and who and you don't even sometimes the <laughs> the, the group that they studied weren't even uh, the patient that you're sitting in front of so
0: right it's, yeah there's like not even it's not a it's not an accurate assessment of like that patient yeah if it was done in 60 year olds and your patient's 25 well it's <laughs> totally different yep um, okay, so, so like perimenopause, someone comes in, I kind of deal with this stuff. Cool. Let's just start kind of treating it, seeing what works best. I I feel good. This is great. I'm mm-hmm. happy. What happens to their hormones as they continue to age and progress up? And one question just like, do they do they keep, it? does it push menopause back? Or do they eventually find themselves oh. better, like <laughs> they continue to have cycles? so it
1: can now your your body your ovaries are going to give in whenever they're going to give in um they all have an expiration date and typically i tell patients when did your mom go through menopause that's a great crystal ball for me to know that information um sometimes you know if their mom had a hysterectomy well that tells me that you've were born to have most likely really bad hormones your whole life too um So, but, so i have a lot of patients that come in, they might not have been 12 months without a cycle. Let's say they've gone eight and they've got one foot in the door of menopause. I'm very, you know, kitten gloves on giving them uh, any type of estrogen at that point. I'll typically try like a topical cream or something low dose. Because if they're having hot flashes, if they're having, you know, anxiety, um, that is symptomatic of low estrogen. So I can give them a little estrogen, but if I, I'm not going to just blast them with it because I'll kick them straight back out the door of menopause. So I want them to get a little menopausal so I can treat it appropriately, but it is, it's a battle that I deal with every day. Uh sometimes, you know, I'll get a patient who's perimenopausal, about to walk in the door, I kick them right back out. And I base that off their follicular stimulating hormone. And of course, how long it's been since they've had a cycle. Um, so if their follicular stimulating hormone is greater than 40, then that means they're typically in menopause. Um I want it to be 25 or less, because the less or the more I can reverse their follicular stimulating hormone. I'm actually pausing, if not reversing the aging process. And whenever I tell women that, they're like, sign me up. That's what I want. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So again, it's about balance. So I follow, I follow the patient's symptoms and I follow the labs. Um, A lot of women, they don't even realize that they're, you know, a lot of women feel like menopause is going to be a switch. Like they wake up one day and the menopause fairy came and sprinkled dust on them. And now they're menopausal, but it's more of a, it's more of a slower process for most patients unless it was surgical. Um, the other thing is it can be a switch for some patients and that is almost a trauma to that person. Um, as an old ER nurse, I saw women come in all the time. They thought they were having a heart attack. They were severely anxious. They're literally were having chest pains. I mean, they were having all the symptoms of a heart attack. Um, We'd put them on an EK, get an EKG on them, run labs on them, you know, have them do a stress test, whatever, whatever. Go through the full process, and then the ER doc would send them home with a Xanax because they were having a panic attack, and it was yeah, because yeah. estrogen tanked so fast they didn't realize that that was a hot flash or an an anxiety inducing hormonal issue.
0: Gotcha. So. Kind of coming back to that like hormone timeline, what you're kind of trying to do is perimenopause, let's get the progesterone to a healthy level, let's make sure our estrogen and and testosterone are at this healthy level, and we're kind of cruising there, we're feeling good. But when menopause starts to take place, we start seeing that estrogen start to tank, and now we're getting the opposite effect, and mm-hmm. once had our estrogen way too high, now it's going way too low. And now we gotta get it balanced back up there, kind of with that testosterone level again. So as we're starting to go through menopause, we're trying to you're trying to ease the transition, by making sure so their, their their estrogen doesn't just drop off the the deep end, yes. But also not giving them so much that you kick them back out of menopause. So it's like you're really? you're really trying to like ease them through these different kind of hormonal changes. So when someone then goes through the goes through menopause officially. Um, not having any any cycles again? And then is that the point where, okay, now we're kind of slowly kind of bring that estrogen back up mm-hmm. to what that that healthy yeah. level is?
1: Yes. And again, that it, it is very. I have to follow the symptoms because I don't want to give them a cycle again. Women that have gone 12 months without a cycle, if I make them bleed, they are not happy campers. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't (laughs) know. And it's very scary for them because they assume that now that they're in menopause, that they should never have a cycle again. But I tell them, look, you know, I give them all the information up front. If you start to have any bleeding or whatever then that just means that i need to adjust the hormones again i might need to pull yep. back on estrogen or i might need to increase progesterone those two hormones i have to duke it out with daily um to make sure that i've got the patient on the right dose
0: here's an un a question that shows my lack of understanding of a female uh <laughs> cycle once a female Okay, so can a can a female start menopause yet still have viable eggs available? And then my second question is: once they've used all those viable eggs, can uh-huh. they still have a cycle?
1: Um. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can still have a cycle without any ovulation, um, but okay. it's more about the uterine lining at that point. Um. Okay. But you know, I can't ac- accurately answer that question just because. You know, I mean, Janet Jackson got pregnant at fifty-one, so (laughs) I mean, it is a possibility. If you are having a regular cycle once a month, then yes, you have. There's always a possibility that there's an egg somewhere. I don't do any tests. That's that's pretty extensive testing to get. But I mean, typically, once their follicular stimulating hormone reaches a level that's greater than forty, you're you're in a fairly safe zone. I will never tell a patient though please use a second form you know if your husband doesn't have a vasectomy let's have that conversation you know and then some women they might have even had an iud and let's say they've had it for five years and they're i'm pretty sure they're menopausal that thing can last for eight so i'm like just keep it in there for another three let's make sure we get you through menopause and then we can pull it later so you know again it's very patient specific so yeah I have so, unintentionally got people pregnant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so now, so we kind of covered the peri- perimenopause, menopause, the we transition, we've gone through menopause. Mm-hmm. Is it just continue kind of monitor, monitor those hormone levels and kind of take how how the patient's feel and just kind of cruise them through the rest of life? One,
1: yes. I mean, patients typically ask me, do I have to do this forever? I said, no, you don't have to do anything, but you're going to want to because, again, yeah. you know, testosterone and estrogen, the balance for us does the same thing for us as it does for men. And we want to, you know, we want to categorize things as, well, this is a man's hormone, this is women's hormone, but think about it. Your hormones in balance help anxiety, depression, sleep, mood, feelings of well being, increases muscle mass, decreases body fat, it helps you focus, it helps joint pain, it prevents other disease processes. So you know, it helps produce new bone. That's a big one. Women, when they hit 55, they they get told, well, your hormones are gone. You need to go get your bone density scan. I mean, they don't tell men that because y'all keep your hormones longer typically. So women go get a bone density scan. They go, oh, well, you have osteopenia, osteoporosis. Let's put you on calcium. Let's put you on this horrible medication that's going to cause brittle bones in five years. And But the problem is progesterone creates new bone and estrogen breaks down old bone. We need that continuous cycle. Progesterone keeps breast from getting dense tissue. Uh, Progesterone keeps you from getting brain fog. Estrogen helps with brain fog, too. Of course, it's all in balance. And so I, I explain to patients, no, you don't have to do anything. But if you want to maintain your breast, your bones, and your brains, then you might want to stay <laughs> on hormones.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you would like the health, hormones of a healthy, younger person, and the, the benefits that comes with that, like maybe you want to keep doing this. Do you, would you recommend to, is there benefit to a female to say, well, I mean, I, I'm, if they go to their OBGYN every year, are they typically running hormones? No. So is now, there a benefit to saying, so, hey, you should probably get your hormones checked on a yearly basis?
1: So this is the problem. And and I came from an OBGYN background. Um, uh, yes, a, a lot of times an OBGYN, if asked, they will say, yeah, let's run and see if you're menopausal. And then they say, yes, you're menopausal or no, you're not. <laughs> and that's it.
0: Yeah, Most I, guess, times- I guess my my thought is like, it would it be beneficial to say, because from from a from a male perspective? A lot of times we said, ideally you would have a yearly testa- testosterone test to know where your trend line was, so that like if you hit thirty five, forty, and you start seeing it come down,
1: do we need to treat? You were
0: a- if you're averaging eight hundred, if you're like eight hundred the rest of the time, and now you're six hundred,
1: mm-hmm.
0: though you're showing up as as within the zone you're like i feel different and i just had a significant loss let's treat that so like would you think there benefit for women to track that over their life as well
1: and again i have to say that depends because if women were on birth control for the first 15 you know it's gonna mask all their hormones so that would be irrelevant and then if if they had a you know i mean there's so many different scenarios so i'm not gonna say it wouldn't be beneficial However, ours are so dynamic. I mean, again, because we have menstrual cycles, it's sometimes um, yeah, it's a roller coaster. So, so you have
0: to check it at the exact same time every every month. Yeah. OK. Every time you did it or whatever.
1: But yeah. I would definitely say if if a woman is having increased anxiety and depression at any age, if they are feeling more fatigued than usual, if they are starting to gain weight from out of nowhere and they haven't changed anything, you know, you really want to find somebody that understands and their specialty is in hormones. And that's not yeah. always an endocrinologist. An endocrinologist yeah. means hormone doctor, <laughs> but a lot of women will go to an endocrinologist and get maybe not so great information or get veered into a wrong direction. Um so, you know, it really takes a hormone specialist, somebody trained in hormones who's been doing this for a long time, because whenever I started looking up women's hormones and how to treat it because I was interested in it, I st- the, the thing that I kept coming across, the one thing I kept seeing was you have to do hormones to understand hormones. And so it takes experience. There's not, there's no book out there. I mean, well, there's a million books out there on hormones. Let me rephrase that. There's a million books out there on hormones, but to treat hormones, you have to understand the person in front of you and their full history um, to really do it appropriately and understand that progesterone and estrogen come and testosterone come in a million different varieties. Um, and then you have DHEA and you have pregnant alone, uh, that can also be needed. And that's a totally different conversation, <laughs>
0: right, but
1: right, yeah. I start with the, with the foundation of hormones and we build on that. Um, so you Love have it. to have somebody that's willing to listen to you and not just say, if, if you ever get told it's part of life, just deal with it or your hormones are fine and you don't feel fine. Go find somebody else. You know, go just don't take, don't get your feelings hurt. And if you ever get offered an antidepressant on top of that, definitely run.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yep. All right. I love it. Um, Nally, thanks so so much for coming on the podcast. Can you tell people where they could find you and how to kind of get in contact with you?
1: Sure. Um, I'm at Wellness MD in Collierville. We're off of Houston Levy. And uh, we do more than just hormones. I mean, we 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 really help patients with weight loss as well. And uh, we do coaching sessions with them. We help upregulate gut health. Um, we do a lot of, uh, you know, alternative therapies for autoimmune disease and cancers, IV therapies. So it it is uh, the majority of what we do is weight loss and um, hormones. But you know, we do a plethora more as well so you can contact us at wellnessmd.com I think is our website um, and my name's Natalie Narrow, and we have some great clinicians there and health coaches that can help you through your health journey
0: awesome Natalie thanks so much for coming on the podcast thank you all right guys we'll see y'all soon bye